Lord God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we honor you on this Trinity Sunday. We honor you always. Help us to grow in our understanding of who you are and understand how you desire for us to respond to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Who is God? Probably the most important question any person needs to answer in this life. And if you go around the world, you're going to get all kinds of different answers about who God is. The second largest religion in the world, Islam, believes that um, God is, his name is Allah, and he's got a prophet named Muhammad, and a, a prophet somewhere down the line after Muhammad is Jesus. You have Hinduism, one of the largest religions of the world, that believes in a multiplicity of God. There's Buddhism, doesn't really believe in God or heaven or hell, but just more how you live your life here, in your own country. The Mormon religion, for example, believes in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but not as one God, but three separate and distinct gods. The Jehovah Witnesses, they believe in Jehovah God, but they don't believe Jesus is God or the Holy Spirit is God. Who is God? What do you believe? The best place to look is where? The Bible. The Bible gives us the answer about who God is. And on this Trinity Sunday, the topic I have is on who God is. If I was to analyze the whole Bible, we'd be here for months. So I'm trying to think of how do I bring this sermon down to about 20 minutes or so. And I was thinking about a very incredible theologian by the name of Martin Luther who lived 500 years ago. And he was a man who read scripture over and over again, and he wrote volumes of works. But one thing he's really good at in particular was taking all this information and condensing it into something that we can understand and have takeaway. He put together what's called the small catechism. It's a great tool to understand about God and other aspects of our, our Christian faith. And today we're going to take a look at his summary about who God is. It's right in our hymnal, so if you grab a Burgundy hymnal and turn to page 322, page 322, because there's a small catechism right in here. We're actually going to start on page 323. And so we have the Apostles' Creed. It's broken down into three sections. One section deals with God the Father, the next one, God the Son, the third one, God the Holy Spirit. And last week on Pentecost Sunday, we talked about the Holy Spirit, so we're going to start backwards and move our way to the front, as far as who God is. And we're going to start with the third article. And we see what the creed part says, but we're going to start looking at the question, what does this mean? For those of you that grew up Lutheran and had catechisms, a very key question, what does this mean? And we're going to read together um, Luther's explanation as far as who the, Holy, who the Holy Ghost is, or Holy Spirit is, and how that applies to our lives. Let's read this together. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. Enlighten me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. 
In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. So for those of you that grew up Lutheran as well, that phrase, this is most certainly true, is another phrase you probably heard quite often. And so we see here an explanation from Martin Luther on how God the Holy Spirit works. And we see we have a personal God. He's not distant, he's not far away, he's here with us. In fact, by his Spirit, he dwells in us. His Spirit leads us to faith, keeps us in that faith, helps us to grow in his faith, helps helps us to live our lives the way that Jesus wants us to live. We are in partnership with God through the work of his Holy Spirit in us. And there are four key words we talked about last week, the work of the Holy Spirit. Calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies. These are very important words. I want you to focus on memorizing eight words today. These are the first four. Calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies. Number one, he calls us. Why do we believe in Jesus? The Holy Spirit opened up our hearts and our minds to believe. He's called us into this Christian faith. And we believe. Not because of our own work. And for a lot of you, you've been believers as long as you can remember. And why is that? Because God's Spirit worked through the Word and through baptism to help us to come into this faith the most incredible treasure we possibly can have. He calls us, he gathers us together as a group of believers. We're not meant to journey through life alone. You know, there are 1,400 people that are a part of Shepherd of the Desert. If you count the school families, maybe even closer to 2,000 individuals. There's no way we can get to know everybody, but within this body of believers, it's important for us to have people that we can talk to, people we're close to that will help us to grow in our faith They encourage us. We encourage them. That Jesus puts people into our lives. The Holy Spirit's working to gather us with other believers to hold each other accountable to keep growing in this faith. Calls, gathers, enlightens. The Holy Spirit opens up our hearts to understand his word. I became a believer later in my life around the age of 18. And I remember before that, I tried to read the Bible. It didn't make any sense to me. Once the Holy Spirit came in, all of a sudden, these words start opening them up. And here I am now at age 58, and I'm going through the Bible again this year, as I know a lot of you are reading through the Bible. I'm going over sections of Scripture that maybe I've read over 100 times, and it's like all of a sudden something new jumps out at me. There's so much depth, so much meaning in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit enlightens us to grow and understand the Word, but also enlightens us to see the world for what it really is. That this world does not have the answers for life and for eternity. That God's Word does have the answers. So the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and the fourth thing is sanctifies. This means to be made holy. There's two aspects of what this means. Number one, through faith in Jesus Christ. We have that because the Holy Spirit brought us into that faith. And through Christ we are forgiven. We are sanctified. There's no sin in this room right now. It's all been removed. But the second part is the Holy Spirit is now leading us in response to who God is. To live a life that's more Christ-like. To live a life that shows holiness and respect to God. So the Holy Spirit, our God works, and wherever the Holy Spirit works, God in his fullness at work, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies. We're going to jump now to the first article of the Creed, who God the Father is. So we're going to start after the question, 
Again, we read together, what does this mean? I believe that God has made me in all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land and animals, and all I have. He ritually and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. How do we get here? We're not some freak chance of evolution. God created us. He made us. He planned for us. He gave us life. Gave us our talents, our abilities. Gives us all the things we need to get by from day to day. He graciously and lovingly provides for us. We're never alone. He's always with us. He wants to help us through any situation we're ever going to face. And through his activity, as we see in his fullness in the Trinity, he brings to us eternity. A God who truly loves us. A Father that loves every one of us. And the reality is, through this Father and through what he's done, we are a family that's going to be together forever. And the more that we understand who God is and what he's done for us, we cannot help but respond. You know, we heard in the Old Testament lesson how God created. He spoke the words and it came into being. Even scientists cannot explain for sure what energy is, where its origin is from. To me, it's pretty easy. It comes from God. He said, let there be, and, and our sun was created, and there was light, but there was also amazing amount of energy. You realize that every second, the sun puts out more energy than mankind has produced from the time of Adam and Eve to the present. And our sun's actually um, a smaller sun compared to other ones in our galaxy and, and, and universe. The power of God. How should we respond to this God? And Luther gives four very important words. To praise, to thank, to serve and obey. I want to start with the word thank. When we think about what God has done, we think about what he does on a daily basis, our attitude too should be one of thankfulness. What about when bad things happen? How can we be thankful when the bad things happen? We talked about his power. His power is greater than any challenge we're ever going to face. He allows us to go through those rough times, but he promises to be there with us. And we know that in the end, things work out for the good. Do you like being around people that are they're always um, complaining about stuff? Are they fun to be around? We have no reason to complain. When you think about who God is and what he's done, and I've given this challenge before, I want to give it again, in case you didn't do this yet. Take one month, Each day, write down five things you're thankful for. You can't repeat the same thing twice. Okay, the first five days, it's not so bad, okay? You got 25 things. But after five days, you got to start really going into more of the details of life. And when you start doing that, you begin to appreciate even the smallest things, sometimes the things we take for granted. And the more you do this, you can't help but be thankful. You know, God's playing a symphony all around us. And we're not listening so often because we get so wrapped up in the problems of this world to look at what he's doing, to think about how much he loves us, 
to thank him. The second word is praise. It's a word that ties into worship. And the word worship ties into the word worthy. What we're doing when we praise God is we're raising him up above everything else in this life. And we don't only do it on a Sunday morning like we are right now. It's something we do all week long. That as we go to work, as we go you know, in our neighborhood, as we go to school, whatever it is, even sports, we're doing it for the glory of God. We're always putting him first in every situation. We do it here in worship. We do it all week long until we come together. We're living out a life of worship and praise to God for who he is and what he's done for us. To thank, to praise, to serve. That ultimately everything we do in this life is an act of service to him. It's a continuation of that worship. That everything we do, we're thinking, okay, um, God, how do you want me to serve you here? An attitude of servanthood in all that we do. The ultimate servant, servant to walk on this planet is Jesus himself. You know, ultimately he gave his life on the cross for our sins. And, and even Paul, he's one of my, the heroes of the Bible, you read his letters, and almost every letter he starts out the phrase, I, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. And the Greek word for servant he uses is the word doulos. And a doulos is somebody who, when set free by their master, goes back to the master and says, you know what, I give myself back to you voluntarily for the rest of my life. You can do whatever you want through me. That's what a doulos is. To voluntarily give ourselves back to our master. Give ourselves back to our God saying, here I am. I am your servant. I surrender to you. To praise, thank, serve, and the last one, obey. How do we obey God? We listen to his word. He is a good, good father, as we heard in that song. He's an amazing father. And this is his word to us. And every time we read, he's speaking to us. And if we're going to obey him, we need to know what he says. That's why it's so important for us to be consistently in the word of God and that we desire to follow it and to live it out in our lives. This is our response to the amazing God that we have that that Luther encourages us to do. And it makes sense. And it's very scriptural to praise, to thank, to serve and obey him for who he is and what he has done for us. So God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, one more to go. God the Son, the second article, redemption. The bottom of page 322. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, Purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, deliver him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. God the Son. It's kind of interesting when you look at the creed, the part, second part about God the Son is the longest part of the creed. God the Father is the shortest part, God the Holy Spirit, the, you know, the next shortest part, but yet Luther gives us about the same number of words for the explanation for, for each aspect of who God is. And we see when it comes to Jesus Christ, he makes it clear that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. You want to learn about who God is? Learn about Jesus. Because Jesus is God in human form. And we see he's all about love. He's all about grace. He's all about forgiveness, all about service. You know, you think, 
you know, your friends maybe ask you sometime, who is Jesus? How do you explain who Jesus is? And we have a beautiful outline right there in the Apostles' Creed. There are actually 12 points talking about who Jesus is. Okay? And I want you to think of it like a clock. Because the first six points talk about his humiliation, how he humbled himself. The next six talk about his exaltation, how he was exalted. It goes like this. He was conceived, born, suffered, crucified, died, buried. That's his humiliation. He descended into hell. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come again and will judge the living and the dead. That's his exaltation. And what you see there is a beautiful, beautiful outline for who Jesus is. But what Martin Luther does in his explanation is he lays out in a deeper way what it means to serve God. And what he talks about is, number one, that we need to surrender ourselves to him. To surrender ourselves into his lordship. He's reigning over us. He is our God. He is our king. We are his servants. And we're living with him. And this is earth, but we are members of his kingdom. We are passing through this planet on our way to our real home, which is in heaven. And we're here to serve under his lordship. He talks about to serve him in three ways. What's really interesting is I want to focus on the word everlasting. Because when we live under Jesus Christ, we believe in him, the temporal becomes eternal. And everything we do, everything we say in the name of Jesus Christ has eternal significance. That we are living in everlasting righteousness. Which means that even though we have sinned, Jesus has taken our sins away through his death and through his resurrection. That ultimately, you know, through him, we are made right. Not just now, but forever. We are living in everlasting innocence. That even though we are guilty of our sins, Jesus has made us innocent because he's taken our sin upon himself on that cross. We're living in everlasting blessedness, which means that we're blessed not just now, we're blessed forever. His blessings keep pouring upon us. The blessings are never going to end. How do you know if you believe in Jesus Christ? How do you know for sure if you're saved? Or if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. How, how do I know for sure if I'm going to heaven? In our epistle lesson for today, Peter preached a sermon. If you follow the sermons of Peter, Paul, there's always a few main points. They're always there. That Jesus lived, he died, and he rose. Lived, died, and rose. And Paul in Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, what's the next word? Saved. If you know that, if you believe that Jesus did live, die, rise, and he's with us right now, we are going to heaven. And this, this is the greatest gift we possibly can have. And even when you're going through the worst of days, stop and think about what we have in Jesus Christ. And be thankful to our God, the Holy Spirit, for leading us to faith in that Savior and to God the Father for making it all happen. We have an amazing, incredible God. To thank, to praise, to serve, to obey. And to serve him in this everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness.
You know, I've heard a lot of analogies about the Trinity. We have one God, we have his Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's kind of a mystery to us. We try sometimes to package it. I've heard the analogy of an egg, that you have the eggshell, the egg white, the egg yolk, but all parts are still part of the egg. You know, I've heard of an apple. You cut the apple, and you got the, the core, and you have the skin, and you have the meat of the apple. And I presented this one time to some kids in a kid's talk, and one kid said, well, what about the seeds? Completely messed up my analogy. So I let that one go. Um, you got H2O. Okay, H2O can be a solid, a liquid, gas, but it's always H2O. These are kind of weak human analogies to try to make sense of it, but the best analogy I've ever heard, it comes from Martin Luther. His explanation of Trinity is this. God is the speaker. Jesus is the word. And the Holy Spirit brings the word to us. The word that God speaks came alive in Jesus Christ. And the way that we believe this is because the Holy Spirit has brought that word into our lives through word and sacraments. And we have this eternal faith that we should never take for granted. We are never alone. Our God is with us always. His love is continuously pouring upon us. The symphony he's playing is beautiful all the time. And he's calling upon us just to trust, to surrender. The more I look in Scripture, what I see is a God who wants us to have not just a great eternity. He wants us to have a great life even now. And the more that we surrender to him, the more that's a reality. And may we always realize the most important relationship in our life is our relationship with our God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The God who calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies. And may our response be to thank, to praise, to serve, to obey him in all things. Let's pray. Lord God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have revealed to us. The very beginning of Scripture, when people asked who you are, you said your name is Elohim. I am who I am. You are who you are. Help us to understand who you are. A lot of people want to put you in a box and make their own definition about who you are, but you are who you are. And Lord, we praise you. And we live for you for who you are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The God who calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies us. And Lord, by the power of your Spirit, help us to live in thankfulness and praise and to serve and obey you in all things. In your name we pray. Amen. This time the offering will be received. Please sign the registers in your rows at this time as well.